0: welcome to the Toca backstage podcast join Toca's executive director chris wolf in conversations with the artists and people behind the scenes of the torrance cultural arts foundation's performances
1: and events hi welcome to another edition of toka backstage it is my pleasure and honor to be speaking with billy mcguigan from uh the show coming up uh, yesterday and today, which will be at the Armstrong Theater on May fourteenth. Um, hi, Billy.
0: <laughs> hi, Chris. How are you? I'm good.
1: For those it's that great don't to know, that oh, was great to have you. For those of, that don't know, we've actually had the pleasure of having this show at the Armstrong before. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that people say is how how can you book a show more than once? And for this show in particular, I can always say, because it's never the sh- same show, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, I've done, I'm, I have done, I don't know why I brag about this, but I'm the only person in our cast or in our cast, in the band, I've never missed a show. I'm the only one. My brothers have both missed a couple. I'm the only one. And not one has ever even been close to the same. The formula may be the same, you know, the idea, or the song sometimes could be similar, but the stories always change because it's about what the audience wants to hear, why they want to hear it. Um, that's what makes it cool.
1: So, so just to back up, the the uh, yesterday and today is is called the interactive Beatles experience, mm-hmm. and it's interactive because literally, the the audience makes up the set list, right? A hundred percent made up by them. So we have, we
0: might have an opener. You know, I kind of have to have a flow of the show. So there's always kind of an outline that I follow in my head, but even that outline I can change just depending on my mood. <laughs> so that from my end is one part of it that I, I always keep it different. Um, but the audience, when they come in, they, they can request any Beatles song. And the only caveat being they tell us their name their favorite Beatles song and the reason why they choose it. So we take those cards and I look at them. I read every single one that comes back there and I start to notice like, oh, there's a pile of A Hard Day's Night. There's the common pile of Hey Jude. So, you know, I kind of see if there's a really good reason. Otherwise, Hey Jude gets its spot as our closer encore, whatever, you know, is that so that that's how it comes together. And then we take those cards and two minutes beforehand on the iPad that I'm talking to you from, I type out a set list we print it out the band gets it we look at it our technicians look at it and we go for it that's all and then the interaction that happens between me and the audience when they tell their reason that for me is the coolest part because I don't know that's like my comedy back, that's kind of where I come from a comedy backgrounds so that's the most important part to me is that rapport that I can develop with an audience Well, um, and, because and when is- I hook them when I hook them in then I can play any Beatles song at whatever level I want to play it, and they won't care because it's you know we always want to play them perfectly, but yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and I think I think quite frankly, I think everyone sort of ha- has seen and done the, the the outfits and the wigs, and it's yeah. like there there was never anything new to the Beatles show until, obviously, your show came along. And I and quite frankly, to be honest, I mean people don't know this, but I see every show before I book it. So before I s- booked your show for the first time, I actually mm-hmm. went to go see it in Brea. Oh, yeah. And in the TV studio. That's what it felt like. <laughs> like We were playing the Ed
0: Sullivan show in the TV studio. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> um, it's, and, and I, I kind of, I was, I, I was apprehensive. I was like, there is no way that this is going to change every time. And I talked to the manager there and they go no they did it right on the spot I mean yeah not to say that you're that I you would accuse your your agent of
0: <laughs> well I mean I can see, that's what I want though like you for me you're the perfect audience member like you not only have you seen almost every show out there but you've seen all the Beatles shows you and you're also a Beatles fan right I mean yep. you like their catalog so for me you're my target audience like I but see the problem that I've run into as a performer, I didn't get into, I didn't get into this uh, because I'm a businessman, right? I got into it because this is all I'm good at. Like I I can play video games really well and hang out with my brothers and play Beatles songs. That's what I'm good at. Um, But man, doing this show, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. So we keep it different and we're always changing it up. And that's what I love about it.
1: Well, and, Quite frankly, the other thing I love about it is the fact that I mean, again, going back to the 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 Beatles costumes and the wigs and stuff, yeah. It's like I I I think they come from a sincere place. They you know, they're trying yeah. to recreate this experience. But you you can't go to those shows without looking at them going, God, that wig looks so bad. Or right. that there's right. can't you get a better fitting suit or something? Yeah. Whereas this show is really just all about the joy of the music and and sharing the music.
0: For me, that's uh, the first my first ever tribute band was uh, it was Beatlemania. I saw Beatlemania opened for Badfinger in Kansas City. So (laughs) I paid my like 750. I was so excited because I'm a Beatle fanatic and I've never seen a tribute band. So I'm in my 20s, went with my brother, Ryan. And it wasn't that they weren't good. They were, they were, they were Beatlemania. So you're like, right. you know, Broadway level actors playing these. And then at the very end, the guy goes, "Uh, ah, uh, ah, anybody want to make a request? You know, like Paul. And I'm like, they're going to take it. So everybody's yelling. And of course they picked the one they were going to play anyway, right? <laughs> right? But for me, that was the seed. It was like, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Oh. And so when I was putting this show together, I mean, I would have to be Paul, right? That's because in my brother band, I always sang the Paul stuff, but I, I'm not the bass player. I play the John guitar part in my brother band. Right. So that's when we were putting it together. It was just, well, we're gonna be ourselves. And maybe, and what I was trying to re- refer to earlier when I said I'm just a normal, I'm not a marketer. And so the problem with my show is that it takes that long to explain it to you, right? Or I have to say to you, you have to see it. I can't tell you what makes it cool. Other than it's just really cool to be in a room with people telling you why they love Beatles music. And then we play it.
1: Yeah. And You know, and- we're
0: like a, we're like the jukebox. And, and then you not only get to have your own experience hearing this song live, like a song like I Am the Walrus or a day in the life that you never expected to hear live and you're hearing it live and you're having your experience, but you're also like, the reason that that person gave is still like meandering in your head. So quietly, we're all coming together, you know?
1: And well, that's and, what and makes the show quite, cool. Quite frankly, the the level of your performance is always top notch. I mean, the 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 songs are played extremely well. You guys are obviously talented musicians, um, and performers, and so people.
0: Well, we, we better had been right, Chris. I think that was the thing. It was like if you're not going to dress like them, <laughs> there had better be something and cool about it, you know what I mean? Right. And so we had to make sure that if you closed your eyes, we might sound like them. And because my brothers and I have been singing these songs since we were little kids, we can do Beatle harmony pretty well. I'm not saying we do it as well as the Beatles, but we're brothers, so we can sing harmony pretty darn well. And Jay Hansen, our, who sings most of our George stuff, he sounds just like George. So we want moments where you close your eyes and go, damn, that sounds just like the record. But we, we want you to know we're playing it live, too, so we might put our spin on it. So that was always kind of my thing. Like, okay, if we're not going to dress like them, we had damn well make sure we were playing the songs to a degree that other people, you know, somebody like you again, yeah. would be like, oh, oh, I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. I was expecting what I typically get, you know? Right. We're not that.
1: <laughs> Amen. And, and yeah. the other thing is the audience is always like, it's across the board, like ages, genders, ethnicities. It's like everybody. I mean, obviously, anyone who likes the Beatles, which is should be everybody. Um, right. it, this is a show for them.
0: We we luck out. Uh, we've been at this. We've outlasted a lot of the groups, which you know, again, <laughs> we're smart there, or maybe not smart enough to get out of it. Uh, but what we see is like. Uh, in 2000, I think it was 999, the Beatles released all of their music remastered and on Beatles Rock Band. That was one of, when we were first starting out, it was one of our biggest years. So we like rode that Beatle wave and then Love opened in Las Vegas. And it was like, oh, there's, but the Beatles are for everybody and they get new fans that are younger. You know, my kids love the Beatles and their friends, you know, they can get into them. And then you have like, they just released Get Back all I want to play are the songs from let it be now. You know what I mean? It's like, but that's my job. And I get to do that. So we get to with the buddy Holly music, but that's like kind of how I got my start. I've seen, you see that audience not dwindling, but it's diminishing. He's kind of a cool people know about buddy Holly, right. you know, you know, Somebody with very discerning taste understands that buddy Holly was a rock genius, but everybody loves the Beatles. And if you don't, we can make you like them. That's what's (laughs) cool about our show. Even if you don't like them or hate them, we will show you why people love them. And that might make you respect their
1: music a little more. And well, you had mentioned um, Buddy Holly. You actually started out doing the Buddy Holly show, right?
0: Yeah, 20, 20 years ago, I was the most fledgling cover band musician you could find in the city of Omaha, where I now reside. And out of the blue, I got a call um, from the Omaha Playhouse. Do you, you, you still act, right? I was an actor. That's when I went to college to be an actor and that wasn't working out. So I became a musician, <laughs> not a great one but I could do all the things, right? I could act and I could sing and I could, I could carry a show. Uh, and so I got that part in that play. And the night that it closed, 1500 people were on a waiting list and I just haven't stopped since. So Buddy Holly was kind of my foray into the, the world of performing. And I once I got my shot, I never turned
1: back. Did, did you do Buddy Holly? Because um, I, I know you also have a Buddy Holly show that you've done yeah. in the past. Do you, did you do the Buddy Holly story elsewhere or was it just at the Omaha Playhouse? Yeah, so I kind
0: of, I did it at the Omaha Playhouse and then Des Moines heard that I <laughs> had the success that Omaha had, so I went to Des Moines and did it. Same, same type of thing. And I told them in Des Moines, I said, listen, I've got this show that I wrote. And if you want me to come play Buddy, I'll do the run, but you have to do a week of my show. So that was kind of my end, right? I was kind of, I'm not a businessman, but I knew that you kind of had had to have an end. And then people would go, well, why would I do the whole show? And you can just play the songs with your band. And that's kind of how I weaseled my way into this business. (laughs) And then people go, what else do you do? And I said, "Ah, (laughs) ha, that Beatles show idea that's going to be a kicker, but it's, you know, it's taken 15 years for that show to really catch on. And I think it's just that we're still around.
1: Well, it's funny because <laughs> I think, you know, it's like you said, the Beatles keep popping up. It's like, even like, I don't know how many years ago, but yesterday the movie came yeah, out. The mo-
0: and that whole new batch of fans came from that movie and they want to hear, can you play help? Like in yesterday, like the punk rock version, it's like, huh, can we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Or hey we dude, luck out.
0: hey dude, hey, it's his fault. It's so
1: great. <laughs> I thought I thought that Ed was Sheeran's really
0: fault. Yeah. I loved it.
1: Um, so, tell me how just when you obviously you say you wanted to be an actor and then you just became a musician. What was mm-hmm. what was the impetus to get into performing? Were you always in, interested in that?
0: Uh, that's thank you, Chris. This is where you get to like moment, I moment, my first touch with any type of being on stage uh, was in Wilmington, Delaware when I was three. So my parents entered me into a Fonzie look-alike contest, now I'm aging myself, and I won at age three. So the applause or the whatever happens, I never let that go. So um, my dad joined the military like that next year because we weren't eating. So we were one of those people that want to eat, join the military and that was us. Uh, and we got stationed in Germany where we lived off base uh, for like three years, four years of my life. And we didn't have television. So all we had were Beatle records, vivid imagination and a couple of guitars. That's really where my brothers and I got started just playing that music. And then that became our thing. We moved to Georgia. I was like, oh, this is, you know, I could, I could act. I did my first play there. But when we moved to Nebraska, that was really where it kind of took off for me. I was like a 10th grader, got the lead in all the plays and musicals. And I thought Broadway bound or Saturday Night Live bound. And I started an improv troupe here in Omaha. Um, and the cool thing about that troupe is we're all still in the business somehow. <clears throat> some as like pretty big comics and some as performers, but that little high school group that we started with, my first professional gig 30 years ago this summer. So.
1: That's awesome. And, yeah, and you just started to just like at a theater or in your backyard, or how did you? Comedy
0: clubs here in Omaha. I would meet people that would have connections. I had a teacher that I met at like a summer camp for gifted kids. I had a teacher that's like, "Hey, you should go." And I was like, "I can't afford to do this." And they teachers put pulled money together to send me because they knew that I had something, but you know, I couldn't afford to pay to go to some some camp. And so I went to this camp and met all these kids. And we had a teacher that said, hey, if you guys want to do something, give me a call. And I was the kid that if somebody said that, I gave the call, you know, and uh, he was like he knew somebody at a comedy club and that's how we started. And then the next summer we went to the Better Comedy Club. Uh, and then I just have never looked back. You know, it would always be these bumps with it. And uh, and I'll be honest with anybody, my career, my 20s and my teens were I I was really beat down by the business. I would get these little auditions for things and no, not a chance. You won't get that. And I just never gave up. So maybe that's the Irish in me.
1: Well, what, and that, that sort of brings up something else that that I I wanted to ask you is that Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we do besides obviously do a season of shows is we also try to, to um, help young people who want to, you know, sort of, find their way into the creative arts. Yeah. What What's your recommendation? To anyone who says that they want to be uh, on stage or in a band or?
0: Yeah. Are you willing to star for it? First of all, is, is the first question. Like my kids are both, they both want to go into this business and I've seen, you know, again, I started kind of as a comic and then I would be like a casino performer and a cruise ship performer. And a, you know what I mean? I've tried every aspect of it. And it's hard 90% of the time. You know, what I mean, not that the 10% is totally, completely worth it, but a lot of our careers hustling for the next thing, or are you good enough and then doubting yourself? And I I mean, I just want people, are you willing to starve for it, first of all? Because that's where I was. It's like, yeah, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make my vision work, right? And whatever that is. And so people would say, is that Broadway and my thing back then? What I would always say. <laughs> it's so cheesy, Chris, like Broadway is what you'd make of it just because I knew I would never make it. You know <laughs> what I mean? It was like, <laughs> hey man, like if I'm in a little theater that's off-Broadway with, with uh, this is where I met Kate, it was an off-Broadway theater and it was like everybody were equity actors and I was the not equity guy and it's like, ooh, do you want your equity card? And I'm like, it would railroad half my career, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm always going to be hustling. So that, that was the thing. And then once you get into it, you just have to be flexible. That's always how I've been. I've never been afraid to be the music, musician in the pit or on the stage or the lead or the supporting guy. I just, I just want to be a part of it. You know. And I think, I think that might be what it takes, Chris. You know, not, I, I, I'm now aware that people get into it for money, which shocks me. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? Okay. Um, I've, that's never what it's been about for me. I'm still shocked that I can live off of what I do um and grateful that I can live off of what I do because it is it's so rewarding you know my whatever I have people like to see it you know and however I got there
1: (laughs) what do you think it is that about you or just people in general like you that that need that it's I I mean yeah I know for some I I
0: know that sounds weird it's like a I mean, you see people like me end up like being a, a pastor or something, you know what I mean? Like, or a teacher, that's kind of where I was headed. I thought I gotta be, but but for me, that's not what it was. It was, I needed to, whatever is inside of me, I needed to make sure that everybody understood what was going on, you know? Yeah. Um, but a lot of my friends, you know, comics get into it for a different reason. and And maybe that's where I started. Like I could be angry as a comic, and my, and my nice guy persona, the anger could pop through that way, you know, but then it was music. It's like, oh, I can, I can play a song and people still get that. So I, I love that, you know, like what, whatever pulls it out of people, or I can show people what I've gone through that got me here. That's why I do it. But I think it's different for everybody, you know, sure. like Kate, I know she does it for a completely different reason. Um, she loves the like logistical part of what we do. I go, wait, there's a logistical part of what we
1: do. <laughs> Don't you just walk out on stage? And... <laughs> no, that's not yeah, you know
0: what I mean. Uh yeah, but I think that the, it has to start with desire because I'm not naturally a musician, Chris. I'm naturally a performer, right? That's my thing. I'm not naturally an actor, so that's why I went to school for it. It's like I want to, I want to hone this craft. It's so cool to be able to do that and then it was like improv it's like ha huh, that's my skill but it was music you know so you have to be willing to accept wherever your talent wants to go like now i love writing songs it's my new i discovered that in the pandemic writing songs for me is the greatest therapy but it's like eh. will people pay to listen to my songs eh. you know I, i'll stay in the business however i have to stay in it because i love doing it so
1: well it's the, my calling if you will yeah, well, and it's like the old, uh, I don't, I'm, I always mess it up, but there's a Confucius saying that birds sing because they have to, not because they want Right,
0: right. And I, when that was taken away, right, and the people say, what's the worst part of the pandemic? It's like learning the lessons that I had to learn, that I was being too stubborn to listen to before. But when it was taken away, it was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's really what I was meant to do. And I've never looked at a gig the same way since when, in the pandemic, we were performing in parking lots, you know, people in cars to be protected. And they were rolling up their windows to listen on the radio. But it was like, I could not have been happier right. because I was playing my music and people were hearing it, you know? So that's what I think people see in me or I hope people
1: see in me. And what, did, what how did, I mean, obviously the pandemic was, uh, the thing that, about the pandemic that people don't quite understand who aren't in the business is, I mean, they think, oh, the theaters are shut down, it's bad for the theaters, but really it's <laughs> bad for everybody. I mean, you've got technicians, all, in yeah, front of house, right. managers, agents, performers, right. hospitality. I mean, there's so many places that, that it hit. How, how bad was it for you? Did you have, I mean, how many shows did you have to cancel? I mean,
0: two and a half years of our career went away. Like all the things that we had booked just stopped. You know, and it was some some of the places that we had dates now no longer exist. You know what I mean? Those places have folded or or gone away. Um, But we knew that being in Omaha, that it was, we had been touring nonstop for about 13 years. And we had met a ton of people. You know, we'd become seasoned touring musicians and performers. And we were home and nobody else was performing here. We were like, okay, well... (laughs) let's find a place to do shows. And that's really what we've done. So we pivoted, we started producing our own shows and uh, opened an academy, the McGuigan Arts Academy, which is run by Kimberly Faith Hickman, who I knew from the Springer Opera House in Georgia and was running a theater here in Omaha. And she now is our artistic director and runs that. And we just diversified, you know, it was amazing. And well, I hate to say it, but we would have never, it was all the things that we had been talking about wanting to do or eventually hoping to do. And we took that time and we just did it. I recorded an album and, you know, we just did it.
1: I was, I was going to ask you about that, the, the, the Academy. What, what was that just something that was like in the back of your mind that you wanted to do? Yeah.
0: This yeah. I mean, when I one part of my my story that I didn't really talk, I just briefly talk about my dad joining the military. But really, the best thing about that, other than having the Germany time, when we went to Georgia, we had a school where they brought in guest artists. And uh, so sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade, I was one of the kids that got pulled out of class to work with these guest artists. One was an improv artist, a filmmaker, and then a musician. and th- they just changed my life. I mean, that I, it went from that. That's not a career you can't do that that's made up only the Beatles can do that to oh this is an actual career and I never forgot that and so we had the ability to start the school and it was like it's not about you know we're not starting a music school or a, a an academy that's very rigid it's if, if you have a desire to be in the arts not only can we connect you with the right people but we can teach you how to do it we have you know, we have acting coaches and 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 music teachers, and so these kids we we have now in one year over three hundred students in our little academy, wow. and we've yeah we've taken our program and we went to my school system that I grew up in as a school and took this whole methodology of bringing artists into your school. We did a two week program there. We did it at a college in Wyoming. It's been insanely cool, Chris.
1: Insanely that is amazing. Cool. That's so, awesome. Yeah.
0: But I mean, that's, that's what it's about, you know, and it's not, for me, it's just to show kids that this is a viable option for you. Because if you have the calling, you need to know that it's a viable option. You know, I just thought, I'll do it as long as I can. Well, until I have the, to get a real job as my friends right. would tell me.
1: Well, yeah. and it's not only it's not only for the people who, you know, are are obviously talented performers like yourself, but People like Kate and I, who, I mean, uh, growing up, I was I was a magician, I was a writer, I was a filmmaker, I was an actor. I built sets. I clean. I mean, and you know, it's kind of like, what do you do with that? Oh, I know. Right. (laughs) You book book people and put together a season and run a theater.
0: And that's what. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and what what we were good at is we have like our academy students who are taking lessons. We. Uh, we moved our yesterday and today show to this venue here in Omaha called the Slowdown. Like one of the, like, this is a rock venue that could be in Las Vegas. That with the you know, anywhere, it's in Omaha, but it could be anywhere if you know what I mean. It's just full sound rig, full lighting, killer. Our academy students got to play on stage with my bands, their songs. So they're like learning "Smoke on the Water," but you, you know you've got a seven year old going, ah, 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 ah. and then a full band. So all their parents were there, got to see them. And who knows? And I always tell Kate and Kimberly, it's like that one kid. There's one kid in that that they're going to be up there with us. You know, it's yeah, amazing. That
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we kind of yeah. do something similar with our um, uh, South Bay's Got Talent. I mean, obviously, we don't right. put them together with the band. But I mean, we have we put them they're able to perform their songs and, in front of a, a live audience in a, in a nice right. theater in front of like a fairly distinguished panel of judges so you have like right a couple agents from icm and paradigm and and then touring performers and it's like and they get feedback and i keep thinking there's going to be that one kid that's right just because they went through that it's going to help them and the seed
0: is planted you know yeah. what i mean it's like i i still when I have been able to go back to Fort Benning, Georgia, I go back to that school all the time. It's like, if you, if you have three kids that are interested in the arts, let me know. And I will come talk to them just because I've never, you know, that was seventh grade for me, which is 1986, 87. I've never forgotten those moments. And uh, so when they say give back, that's all we're trying to do, you know, provide a spot for people to do their thing. Which is the same as what you're doing. When you yeah. when you have your spot to do your thing, that's when magic happens.
1: Well, and it's because it, you don't always get that. It's like, and one of the no. one one funny thing I I experienced this year with it is like we had these these dancers come in and they they stood center stage and they would do their dance like center stage. And I said, just out of curiosity, did you mean for it to be just that real small dance? So, no that's all about as much space i have in my room so i don't really (laughs) (laughs) i'm like well feel free to use the rest of the stage. take
0: take stage if you will yeah Yeah, it's
1: great um so what what is the plan for the future do you want to keep doing yesterday and today do you have other things
0: yesterday and today is uh i mean it's it's Passion project times ten. You know what I mean, and it's become kind of the family business, which I'm totally cool with. I, when people refer to me as the Buddy Holly guy, which I got a lot when I was starting out, I, I I was never comfortable with that. If that makes sense, like I wasn't comfortable being the guy that dressed up and said, "Hi, I'm Buddy Holly." Right. And being able to create something that's along those lines that kind of touches people on a different level, you know, kind of touches them on a deeper level. I'm so proud of that, and because it's of a tribute to my dad more than it's a tribute to the beatles for my brothers and i you know my son kieran played the whole show with us in december (laughs) you know my daughter has done this and it's it's become the family business so uh i'll do it as long as i have a voice can still play the songs Uh, but symphony that's we've done that a couple of times here in omaha in the past couple of years to, and I've done some of my original songs with the symphony and that uh, it's hard to not think about that all the time. You yeah. know, performing with huge 85 piece orchestras, pretty amazing. Yeah. So who knows what comes, but like I said, I'll stay in it as long as I can.
1: Do you, do you think that, I mean, I don't know, it's interesting because you and your your group or your company whatever it seemed to have this this really creative outlook on and being able to sort of pick a project and do it and do it really well i mean i i have to tell you i i had seen the, the yesterday and today we booked it and then we booked your buddy holly show
0: yeah
1: and um that just blew me away too but it's do you think it's that's going to be your longevity is the fact that you're able to sort of
0: I think so yeah you know and I uh I in the in the during the pandemic I produced my first show that I would have done like my show except I wasn't in it if that makes sense we did kind of we took rock musicals like that was our genre like but let's do a drive-in show and we'll call it a tribute to rock musicals and I had just as much fun like having my hands in the, in the engine of the machine and then stepping away and going, oh, look how cool that is, you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know, yeah, I mean, I, I can never answer what my future is in this business because like, I'll go wherever it takes me. I've never been a great, the only, you know, I've had good ideas that I keep writing. So who, what, whatever the next ride is, I'm willing to get on it, so.
1: Well, and I, I know that we. Do you had... want to do you want to
0: come on that ride, my friends? <laughs> Let's do some crazy things. <laughs>
1: yeah, anytime. We've done. That's some my ex.
0: We have indeed. We have.
1: <laughs> um, uh, and just so for clarification, that the crazy thing we actually saw one another at a at a conference and went to, uh, go see a showcase, and it was a. a bad showcase so we left there and we just stumbled upon a really bizarre stuff Beatles tribute or Beatles Museum at Museum whatever it was I don't know what it was it, it wasn't
0: really anything other than a guy's personal collection that we were able to take a quick peek at
1: but it was like really, really <laughs> weird stuff yeah. anyway that's so that when I didn't want people to think you and I were yeah and
0: it just kept going from there then yeah yeah, yeah it was yeah. it was
1: crazy but um yeah. the uh when people come to see yesterday and today what do you want them to walk away with
0: that's i love that uh for somebody like me right because i'm mm-hmm. any Beatles show i've ever seen i always pick the one thing it's like oh man did Ringo ever play a show at this band? You know what I mean. It's clear that there's like two guys that are running, and that's okay. I mean, that's just how things work. We have that problem in our show, but the problem that you don't have to dress up like it. Um, I what I want, I want those people to be blown away. I want them to hear a song that they never expected to hear live. You know, they're gonna call the random song and they're gonna sit there like, yeah, whatever. Those are my favorite <laughs> because I'm gonna win them. I'm going to win those people over because I made the show for them. But then there are the people that ma- that don't like the Beatles and I know that they're out there. And I really wanna show them what what all, the, what all the noise is about. You know what I mean? That whether you like their music or not, whether you like their image or not, the message of their music is amazing. You know what I mean? Like, let it be, I, I, I gotta tell you, we did a show in, uh, in the middle of Wisconsin just last week. So picture all the snow on the ground, we're playing in this town. Great theater. I get this request, it's from Sister Mary somebody. Okay, I won't give her full name, but it's Sister Somebody. And she says her re- song request is any of them. And the reason why, she said, I was cloistered in the 60s and I've never heard a Beatles song. And at first I giggle at that. Like I immediately think, why don't we do it in a row? Something really off the cut, co- you know. And then I thought, holy, holy crap, if she's never heard a Beatles song and now I'm going to call her name and then I'm going to tell this story and then I have to pick a song, you know, what would you pick? What would you pick? When I tell you what I picked, you're going to go, ah, obviously, but what would you have picked? Uh, it seemed like a great responsibility to me.
1: Yeah, you're going to no, play that, somebody
0: their first Beatles song.
1: That That is a big responsibility. It, it, it harkens back to the, the to the movie yesterday. I, I would, Right. I would say either Yesterday or Uh uh, Hey Jude.
0: Hey Jude is immediately what I went to, but then I thought, listen, sister, I went, when I find myself in times of trouble, mother man. (laughs) She's got tears as we're doing Let It Be. She'd never heard Let It Be, and everybody's singing, ah. But then like when we did Hey Jude, I was like, sister, you're probably gonna like this one as well. You know, anytime we'd play one, Eleanor Rigby's sister, you might like this one, but but my choice for it was let it be, because it just felt like such a responsibility that again, I was like, holy crap, that's kind of my job. Yeah. You know, it, my job tonight is to make sister whoever love the Beatles, you know? And I, that's, I'm pretty good at that job, you know? It's the uh, one thing I'm good at.
1: <laughs> I, I would say you're, you're exceptional at that job. Um, well, again, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Ah, this is great. Um, and uh, for those who don't know, it's Saturday, May 14th, eight o'clock at the Armstrong Theater. Yesterday and today, the interactive Beatles tribute. Um, I I, uh, I, I, dare anyone to try to stump you on on a Beatles song.
0: <laughs> Bring it. That's how, we, <laughs> that's how we do it. It has, ha- I mean, I'm not saying that we've been stumped, but we have failed seven times. I've counted every one. On and I two know of, two of them were She's a Woman. That was early on. You know, she's a woman. Who we oh, yeah. messed it up and we've completely fallen apart twice on that one, but it was years ago. Try to stump us now.
1: <laughs> okay. We've gotten
0: pretty good. Yeah.
1: The gauntlet yeah. has been laid out. The gauntlet has been
0: thrown <laughs> down, my friend. <laughs> All right,
1: well, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. And we really look forward to seeing you.
0: It's been great talking to you, bud. Be okay. well.